survive and thrive. This is a podcast that brings you stories and perspectives on how leaders and organizations can not only transform to survive, but thrive in change. I'm your host and co-founder of Consinity, Jennifer Ayers. We're kicking off our podcast featuring 19 stories and perspectives on how COVID-19 has created an imperative for change and what leaders and organizations are doing to respond to that change. Today, I'm honored to have one of my great mentors as my guest, Ed Skaronsky. Ed is a VP at Rackspace Technology, a leading end-to-end multi-cloud solution company that managed to go IPO during a pandemic. Ed is responsible for advancing the capabilities and competencies of sales, infrastructure, professional services, and support, to name a few. He's also responsible for developing their strategy for their go-to-market operating model and implementing it. Prior to that, Ed was a VP at Johnson & Johnson, leading strategy and operations for their global shared services group, and that's where I had the pleasure of working with Ed. I have seen Ed firsthand as he would lead his teams through complex and challenging situations where they needed to pivot and respond fast. His ability to lead his team through times of great uncertainty has not only been part of his job description, but frankly, I think it's part of his DNA. I'll let Ed say a little bit more about himself and his background, and I'll bet you'll soon find out why I think he's a great go-to person when you need advice on navigating emerging situations, good or bad. So I've been in the technology industry for over 25 years, and I actually started my career in sales. At the time, you know, when I was working for IBM, uh, I had a great mentor. and My mentor at the time sort of guided my thinking about what the future might look like for me. And so it was at that time, very much in my formative years, where my mentor was saying that uh, look for opportunities that push you in places and advance your competencies and challenge you in ways that being in one particular role for, say, 20 or 30 years wouldn't necessarily do, although you might become an expert in one particular area. So, you know, in large part, many of the roles that I was in over the course of those 25 years, like sales, technology operations, management consulting, shared services, a focus on pre-sales engineering and professional services were really in large part as a consequence of making conscious decisions to pursue these various opportunities and these roles throughout my career. I never regretted any of those decisions, even though some of them were super challenging for me, new to me. For someone to pursue a path like this, it's also important to sort of know yourself. In my case, I knew early on that I like challenges. I, you know, certainly am an avid learner. I like to learn things. I like to work with people and collaborate, especially folks that are experts in areas that I'm not. You know, through these various positions, I acquired all, all of this knowledge and these, through these various positions and, and opportunities. And I have to say, there isn't any one particular role that I haven't been able to leverage something I've learned in the new role that I've taken on. So. A lot of different roles over the course of 25 years, spans across technology, sales, operations, shared services, engineering, and and professional services. So I think I would sort of sum it up that way. While I think most people try to avoid change, 
Ed likes to walk right into it. There have been a lot of words that sort of use describe change. I guess one way would, you know, that's often used too much, I guess, today is the word transformation, which by definition would suggest change, either small or massive. And you'll see it on people's resumes and used in conversations. And I guess that's sort of the nomenclature used today. And I guess that, you know, throughout my career, going into a new role always involves some level of change. So, you know, it's never comfortable, right? And sometimes it's even more uncomfortable than you might think uh, until you're in the thick of it. It's important that we all sort of embrace it now more than ever, even if it makes you uncomfortable, because that is frankly the new normal for many of us, especially now during the pandemic and what will likely be the new normal post-pandemic. As somebody who embraces change, I asked Ed, what was life like before the biggest change of all, COVID-19? What did his day look like for himself and the company when this happened? Let's see, about a year ago, if I sort of look back at what a typical day might be, and I guess I would sort of frame it up in two dimensions. One is what would be the typical day like if I look at internally within the company, how we would operate. And so I imagine not unlike many companies that are in our space of our size, a typical day might be different individuals functionally aligned to their respective areas, doing and planning and executing their respective tasks and activities, all in the goal of achieving their objectives, their functional objectives. And I guess that sort of be the internal view, right? All functionally aligned, focusing and executing their tasks and activities, and the goals are clearly understood aligned for the year or maybe multiple years. So with respect to the external view and how we operate it, I would say, and I, what I mean by externally, I mean with our customers and partners and perhaps even you know a number of our industry events where we have participated, I would say that the way we operate externally is with a bias towards engaging and interfacing uh, face-to-face. Although we had a sizable mix of interactions that were being done remotely, and that was in large part due to our geographically dispersed workforce, it was still more biased towards interfacing face-to-face. And again, I don't think that's very different than many other companies' view as to how they operated externally. I do want to sort of give you a couple examples of of sort of the way it looked like from the remote uh, interactive person, because we did have a healthy mix of that. So what were those kinds of activities for us? I would say the kind of activities that we would do remotely were like quarterly business reviews with our customers, right? And because we were geographically dispersed and our customers had similar situations and you get on a Zoom call and you would conduct a quarterly business review and it made sense to do it that way. The second part of that would be a lot of our team meetings. Now, whether they were internal or external, again, because we are geographically dispersed, we can conduct them and do them effectively through Zoom type uh, platforms. I guess the other comment that I would make is, you know, what was I personally doing at the time of the pandemic took hold? And I would say I was squarely focused on implementing our phase two transformation plan for my organization, which I will tell you did not account for anything that was happening at the time with respect to the pandemic. And I imagine no one else was either. So you can imagine that you're in your phase two transformation. You've laid out all these activities. A good portion are dependent on interactions that are done face-to-face, whether it be enablement or process redesign work. And then there's things that are going to be expected to be done through interactions and collaboration that may be more remote-focused and 
again, none of that was really consciously planned for in the effort that I personally was focused on at the time of the pandemic. So I think that's sort of the way I would answer your, your question there or along those dimensions. While Ed was working on the second stage of their transformation, something across the ocean was sweeping our way. Like he said, he had no idea and didn't account for COVID in any of his plans. That's probably the same for most organizations. Oh, well, I guess the best laid plans, you know what they say. When the country shut down in March, Ed and everyone else found their lives turned upside down. I asked him what his experience was last year. What happened to Ed and his team and how did they respond? How did the company respond to this crisis? I do want to give kudos to, you know, our leadership and maybe it's in large part due to, you know, at the time being a private company with a healthy dose of paranoia, especially if you at some point desire to go IPO and all of a sudden a pandemic emerges. We had all of that in play, but I'm going to say that our executives recognized early on that the impacts here were going to be profound and the implications to the way we were going to need to manage and operate the company, right? Private at the time and eventually public was going to need to change, right? It just, you couldn't not, you couldn't ignore it. We also recognized that we would likely need to engage with our customers in a very different way. And we also understood and recognized that the methods that were likely going to be used are going to be heavily biased towards the application and use of technology in a much deeper way and in ways that had never been anticipated at that scale. Now, that's not to say we knew exactly what needed to be done, what methods or tools or approaches would work best, and frankly, what would be acceptable to do when you factor in customers and partners. What we did know and recognize, or I guess for lack of a better term, our hypothesis was, is inaction was not going to be an option and that we needed to move quickly. We recognized that we're going to have to be iterating as we learned, and we would likely yield the best results for our company and frankly, our customers and partners if we actioned quickly. I guess what we started to do at that point, because you got to figure out, well, all right, now that we recognize that we need to move quickly, well, what do we do? And so at that point is when we started to develop the framing of a plan or the development of the plan that would guide our decisions and actions going forward. So in our case, our plan focused on five areas. The first, in no particular order, would be customer outreach. It's important to understand what your customers are doing, what they're going through, how are they impacted both operationally and financially, how are they going to be interacting or wanted to be interacting with us. We knew that our interactions and our outreach needed to be deeper more often than we had ever anticipated with respect to our customers. The second around operational excellence. When I say operational excellence, it's one thing to to operate at a high level when there's no pandemic, it's an entirely different thing to think about what excellence means when there's a pandemic going on, when labor, you know, in our case, we have these assets called data centers, there are customer workloads in our private cloud, and then we have a workload sitting and managed in public clouds, and labor isn't distributed and focused in the same manner as it might be in the old modes of working. And so, we needed to understand what operational excellence meant 
in and during a pandemic and developing plans and mitigations to be able to achieve excellence, uninterrupted service, how we're going to support our through our help desks, through the geographically diverse work-from-home environments, things of that nature. The third thing is around stress testing. Stress testing everything, the operation, the processes, our networks, and understanding where the weaknesses were and what needed to be shored up at scale. And what I mean by at scale is people working from home. Stress tests your operation and stress tests your networks in ways that are very different in offices where you're more centralized, where the infrastructure is more robust. The fourth was focused on communications. And that had everything to do with all of this information that's being distributed by the federal government, the state and localities, perhaps your cities, what to do, how to do it, when to do it. And then, of course, we felt there was confusion with respect to what needed to be done, how things needed to be done, where you could work, where you could not work, and all that kind of stuff. Like most companies, there was great confusion last year. On a company-wide scale, the lack of information can cause strife to the point where it's difficult to manage. I believe the test of a great company is not if they experienced confusion last year, but how they responded to it. We started to develop a communications plan that would provide targeted communication and methods of getting answers to questions that our employees had, as well as how we needed to operate in a more centralized, direct, and frequent way. Communications became very important to us, uh, more so than at any time prior. And then last but not least, and perhaps this is something that eventually emerged probably up at the top, was employee wellness. The stresses of working from work from home are very different than the stresses that employees are likely and have been achieving in sort of the centralized offices. And therefore, we needed to figure out and devise methods to make sure that our employees were healthy, that they managed their days a little bit differently, that their mental health was healthy, that they're physically healthy, because the core of what we do is largely dependent on our employees. So, you you know, we felt that we absolutely needed to have a focus on employee wellness. In a nutshell, all of these focus areas had a variety of different initiatives and activities underpinning the outcomes that we were trying to achieve. And again, that's not to say that these initiatives and activities didn't change, because as the conditions changed and what we learned along the way started to change, we had to change. So you had to be adaptable and don't ever get too comfortable about any particular initiative or activity you're undertaking, because we often have to pivot. An example of that would be around employee uh, wellness. Not only did Rackspace have to onboard its own employees to remote work, but they also had to do so for their customers. Ed pinpointed a quality very important in times of crisis, continued adaptability. What good is pivoting once if in the beginning of the pandemic, what you need wasn't what you need six months into a pandemic? I admire Ed's perseverance to continually assess and change based on the conditions he and his team were currently in, not the conditions they were hoping to get back into. Ed and Rackspace implemented all of these great initiatives as a response to COVID. The real question is, how do they work? Ed did a great job of pivoting and continued to pivot throughout the past year, implementing new strategies and operations to meet the demands 
of not just the remote work, but all of the challenges that go along with that. In a time in which the world was trying to solve issues that didn't previously exist, I asked Ed if his initial theories worked. There are really two answers that I think that I would give to you with respect to solutions and outcomes. I think the first uh, solution we developed was really for ourselves as a company, and that was primarily rooted in our desire to make sure that we can remain sustainable during the pandemic, because obviously business impacts could potentially affect your balance sheet and investments for innovation and things of that nature during the pandemic, as, as we saw with the transportation industry, restaurants and, and whatnot, right? But we felt that largely most of this was addressed through our five-point action plan. What's probably worth noting is that none of these focus areas and their social activities, uh, again, are static. And so, as I said at the tail end of my response, is there's no defined ending that we were prepared not to change or adjust as needed. And we needed to continue to learn and understand the impacts of the pandemic and what it's having and adjusting those conditions. Now, good examples of that were, again, around employee wellness. And I think the second part of that is communications and specifically what we needed to communicate. So I think in large part, our solution internally focused was being addressed by the five-point plan. The second answer to sort of the solution and question of the outcomes is what we needed to quickly develop from a technical solutions perspective to help our existing customers overcome their own operational and technical challenges to confront these requirements on on work from home, the scalability and security and compliance issues that they would impose. As a multi-cloud managed service provider, you know, we were fortunate enough to have years of experience in this very space, helping many customers achieve their journeys to the cloud and supporting these multiple modes of managing IT assets. Now, the difference now is the pace at which we needed to move our customers to these new modes of operating and the corollary applications and cloud solutions needed to support work from home while being compliant and providing maximum flexibility as business conditions change. So while we had this great portfolio of the solutions, you know, we had to really work hard to tailor these different solutions in the portfolio to you know, meet these discrete and targeted needs of our existing clients and execute at an accelerated way such that our customers could remain viable and sustainable. And that was a monumental undertaking because we're in pre-pandemic days, you could plan the movement of the workloads into uh, the cloud in 30, 60, 90 days, depending on the nature of what you're moving and what you're trying to do, the new methods were a forcing function uh, as a consequence of the pandemic, and you had much less time to plan. And so that imposed some hurdles for us. Despite the numerous challenges, Ed noted some unexpected positive outcomes. Fortunately, this drew us closer to our customers in a lot of ways. We were able to add value in very new ways to them because you know, being there at their most critical time of need elevated sort of the value and importance that we provided as partners to them, you know, during the pandemic. I'd like to circle back for a moment to Ed's emphasis on employee wellness, both physical and mental. If one thing is clear during the pandemic, 
it's that the virus has had a ripple effect of other problems, unemployment, poor mental health, and much more. According to the CDC, by June of 2020, 40% of U.S. adults reported struggling with mental health or substance abuse. For working adults, they must navigate not only the remote work and their health, but children at home or sick parents as well. Companies like Rackspace offered ways to help support their employees during this time. The first thing that I think when it comes to uh, employee wellness, you know, the question that I think is worth asking is, what did you notice, right? What did you learn? Or what preconceived notions might you have prior to the pandemic versus post-pandemic? And we had them, right? Not like many other customers. In our case, we quickly realized that our employees actually worked much harder and for longer hours in a work-from-home-based model. Now, that was not what we expected because many of our preconceived notions were based on people coming to offices. The reason why you come to an office is you theoretically would get better productivity, you'd be more effective, better collaboration. You go down the list and that would be your proof points for why you have an office. And now all of a sudden that disappears. And, you know, maybe panic and, you know, ensues on how are we going to achieve the same productivity? How effective can we really be? How is collaboration really going to work? We were not sure how that was going to work, but we knew we had to go into the model. We needed to understand what was happening and we measured, right? And in our case, we quickly realized that many of our employees work much harder and for longer hours. So I guess the positive side of this is, well, Productivity and utilization really decline. Now, in some companies, it might because it could be technology driven or business driven. But for the most part, I, you know, for most that I talked to who went through these very same things, they saw the very same increases in productivity and effectiveness. The second thing or the second phase of this that we realized is that there were negative impacts from the harder work, the longer hours. And it was a taking a toll on our employees, both physically and mentally. And we knew at that point, if this was left unchecked or unaddressed, that this new mode of operating would also start to fall apart or it wasn't going to be sustainable. And it could manifest itself into people leaving because of health issues, turnover, you, you name it, right? And then when you have mass exodus, you know, your business model starts to fall apart. So new initiatives that we anchored to the, the one of the focus areas around employee wellness, which is not an option, by the way, in a journey like this. And we started to develop guidelines for healthy working practices. And then we started to train our employees on what you would think would be a very intuitive thing to do. Like, why would you ever train someone on doing things like a Zoom meeting? Well, you do need to do things like this, right? For example, how many Zoom meetings should you really be doing in a day? How long should you you know, schedule them for? You, know, you don't get the same kind or type of engagement, and it doesn't tax you in the same way that a face-to-face meeting would. It actually taxes your mind in a different way. So we had to provide guidance on how to conduct Zoom meetings and for how long you should be conducting them. We also provided guidance and guardrails for how to structure your overall workday to include things like breaks between meetings exercising because being in a position for long period of times starts to take a physical toll 
on you, whether it's your back, your neck, things of that nature, headaches. So it's important to make sure to take breaks. Now, that can be hard to do when you've got a lot of things to get done. But the consequence of, of not following through on these things, again, is is the hit you take on the, on the health and wellness of your uh, employees. And then finally, the importance of taking regularly scheduled PTO and ETO. You know, the longer you're in these modes, say weeks and months on end, and you don't take these breaks away, you're going to get the health and wellness hits even with the good practices that you're performing for Zoom meetings and managing your workday. So it's super important to also make sure that employees are taking their PTO and ETO to get away, get a clean break, so when they come back in, they can sort of resume, be fresh and ready to go. I couldn't agree more and loved hearing those examples of how you supported your employees. So thank you for sharing those examples. I want to take a moment to highlight Ed's experience of employee productivity. While Ed and his team have done a great job offering support to their employees, allowing them to get work done, it may be a larger trend. The general consensus on remote work before the pandemic was that it was less productive, less focused, and overall not comparable to office work. But a trend has emerged over the past year, changing that perspective. 94% of 800 employees surveyed by Mercer, an HR and workplace benefits consulting firm, said that productivity was the same or higher than it had been before the pandemic even though employees were working remotely. So, it begs the question, how productive could remote employees be after a global crisis has passed? I'm impressed by the way in which Ed and the rest of Rackspace have been able to adapt to the pandemic. Ed tells me why he thinks that is. I think it had to do early on with us developing a plan and articulating it to our uh, employees. And I think the plan, our five-point plan, was very easily understood. We didn't try to overcomplicate it. We wanted to make it clear that the plan was adaptable, with that we were going to change things as things emerged. The outreach to our employees to, to gauge how things were working, example of things we learned that we adjusted, you know, a lot of employees don't have the luxury of having home offices. And so, you know, we determined that what was necessary to create a, an optimal work environment, such maybe similar to, to, to the one they might have had in a centralized office is, you know, how do we replicate that for them so they get a good work environment and we get the best out of them and it's, and it's healthy for them as well. Having a plan, articulating it, communicating it often, showing that it's not static, so as different things challenge your plan and necessitate changes that you're, you're showing that you're changing and the feedback that's being provided is evident in those changes. You know, we get very high marks from our employees for the plan itself because when the last survey that we did with our employees, this is sort of the shining beacon of all the good things that we've done. This is sort of rises to the top of the list of things we did really well. We also started to talk about the planning around how we responded to this with other companies. We conduct these cab events with our customers where we bring them together. This time, obviously, it was done virtually, and they were very interested to see what others were doing in mobilizing themselves to, to address the pandemic. And so it offered a great springboard for customers to 
know, challenge their own journeys? What do they learn from others in their industries? Might they change theirs uh, as a consequence of what they heard? So we foster that communication that I think worked well. And we frankly learned some great things from what our customers were doing at the time to help themselves to address. So, and that's still, by the way, happening because I don't think we're out of the woods with the sort of the, the new modes of operating that are still emerging, you know, from work from home versus, say, uh, the work office. Despite the five point plan and Rackspace's readiness, there are always factors we can't predict. I asked Ed what surprised him. I sort of share to some degree this philosophy that measurements for things like productivity, effectivity were super important and that would sort of gauge how well your employees were performing. And I've come to learn that while these are certain measures that we should continue to measure, that there are other things that are also very important, and that is the health and wellness of your employees. And that's probably taken more focus now as a consequence in in this new environment that we're living in, these modes of operating. I just never thought of it that way. And so as you're going through this journey and you're seeing the impacts it's having, the fact you're seeing those traditional rates rise, the impact it's having on your employees, you quickly come to the realization that there are a bunch of other things that we need to be very mindful of. If you believe, and I imagine many would, that employees are a core asset of what makes you successful as a company. So if you believe philosophically that that's the case, then it's hard to ignore that something like employee wellness uh, doesn't rise to the top, at minimum, equal footing to effectivity, productivity, uh, and collaboration. You know, that's become pretty important to us. This journey was a forcing function for that sort of realization. I think that a lot of the things we're learning about employee wellness and the things we're measuring is still emerging. For example, how you manage your meetings, how you manage your over uh, your workday, what sort of exercises work best, how is the stress affecting you? There are going to be research papers that are going to be done on the effects of how we work during the pandemic in absence of guidelines, and then what happened after and what more we need to do to make sure that we improve uh, in those spaces. There's a lot that we've learned, but I think there's a lot more we're going to learn about the effects of these modes of operating for sure. I think Ed's approach of utilizing his experience but remaining open to new ideas is a great method in times of change. In fact, Rackspace excelled this past year in that they managed to go IPO. Ed offers other advice for handling crisis situations or any new situation at a company. I think it's safe to say that there's really no going back to the old mode of working where most companies prefer that their employees work in an office or a group setting, especially for many who believe the reason for working this way was largely around effectivity and productivity, or perhaps even based on the notion that a, that a presence was required locally to properly service customers or their customers locally. I also believe that there are other benefits for office settings that are only now being fully understood. And I've talked about the merits and the things you realize when you work from home, but there are a bunch of them that also are being fully realized in an office setting besides those typical metrics. And we're just now sort of understanding the merits of those and perhaps even striking a different balance between work from home and what will be the office of the future. I still think it's very early days 
for how that balance will emerge. But I think the pace at which these work modes and models will develop will start to become more evident, or perhaps the new normal will start to emerge as we get more control of the virus or the spread of the virus, perhaps its mutations, and of course, some of the restrictions that they often impose from a federal and state regulatory perspective. But the things that I think that one needs to focus on is making sure that you take the time to build the plan, your plan, right? doesn't have to be five points, but you do need to develop a plan. You need to develop to make sure that you've got your focus areas and initiatives aligned to help drive the, the outcomes that you want to achieve. Don't fall in love with your plan. Be prepared to make adjustments as you, as you get feedback on what's working and not working. Make sure you communicate it and get buy-in from the top all the way to the bottom because it's a team effort all the way through. And then provide progress reports on how well we're doing as a company, right? Are we achieving some of the outcomes? Are we making progress? Are we achieving what we are measuring in terms of a healthy workforce? Are we achieving the productivity that we think we're getting in these modes of operating and provide them some guidance as to where we're going and then also make sure that they understand that that's sort of a, a northern uh, light as opposed to sort of a definitive place that you might end up and end up going because you know we're still navigating and charting those waters the plan is important communication is important and i don't think a plan is worth anything if you don't have some focus area around your employees especially around health and wellness with these new modes of operating you will have to have a plan to deal with those new modes of operating I love the notion of the Northern Lights as opposed to a North Star, perhaps. I might have to use that one. I like the flexibility in that. <laughs> yeah, there's no one light. There's usually several. Awesome. Well, this has been great, Ed. I really appreciate the time. I will bring this to a close and wrap up. But before I do, maybe uh, you could tell our listeners what's the best way to reach out to you if they want to talk about your plan and get some of your insights and expertise. Yeah, sure. The best way to reach out to me is through my email, and that is Edward dot skaronsky at rackspace.com great awesome thank you again thank you everyone for listening and joining our episode of survive and thrive remember at consinity we empower the conscious leader to realize positive and sustainable change until next time don't just survive thrive take care <laughs>